I don't know about you, but I really needed to come through those doors and worship our risen Savior this week. Um, I told the first service, I don't think I realized how much I needed to gather with God's people and sing His praises. Uh, it's, it's been a rough week, um, you know, and I think there was a lot of hope and maybe even expectation that we'd turn the calendar page and, and we would stop getting that sickening feeling in our stomach when we watch the news or when we scroll through social media, and yet here we are, and we continue to be um, in difficult days. And the news that we see is troubling news. And yet it makes me all the more grateful for the good news that God has given to us and for all the things that come into our lives when we open the pages of Scripture and we remind ourselves who God is, who He says that we are, the promises that He is with us, that He will never leave us, that He will never forsake us, that that He is in our midst. And we can draw strength and encouragement from that. And I talked a little bit about that last week as, as we got things started in this new sermon series in this new year. And somebody came to me after the service last week and said, when you were talking about what we get from Scripture and what we get from the world and how too often we trade the truths and the encouragement and the love and the grace and the peace and the mercy of God that was revealed to us in His Word for the fear and the anxiety and the the difficulty and the despair that comes through the world. And I'm not saying don't read the news, and I'm not saying don't watch the news. I'm saying make sure there's a balance between the two. And that's becoming more and more important, that when you tip over from being informed to being afraid or being angry, it's time to set the world aside and return to God through worship, through prayer, through His Word, and be encouraged and be strengthened and regain your confidence in His goodness and His love and His grace and His mercy. Because too often we trade all that Scripture gives to us for all the world really takes from us. And we've got to be a people of the world. People of the Word. Sorry, we have to be a people of the Word. Now more than ever, we have to be a people of the Word. We have to be in God's Word on a regular basis. And that's why we've been talking about our banding together journals and groups. I mentioned this last week. I'll talk about it again. We'll mention it throughout the year. Um, that This is a great way to be in the Word. It's a tool. And we're encouraging everybody that calls Linwood their church home, whether you're in the room today, whether you're joining us online, whether you're in Sioux Falls or you're in Wyoming or you're in Pennsylvania or you're in some other country, you can be reading together with us and God could do something powerful and unique, I believe, in 2021 as we all read the same things together. There's a reading plan in the journal that carries you through a chapter or two a day, all the way through the New Testament every year. We can read that together. We can grow in that together. And then through the Old Testament, every four years. And it's designed to get God's Word into our lives. And so it's a powerful tool for your one-on-one time with God. And I'm encouraging everybody to do that at least four times a week. That's a minimum. I said that last week, four times a week. And, and then I realized, I don't think I told him that was just the minimum. <laughs> Four times a week should be the bare minimum that we're opening God's Word, asking it to speak to us, engaging with it thoughtfully and reflectively. And then if you get five, six, seven times a week, all the more power to you, all the more power to you into this world around you. And then we're encouraging people to join groups and to form groups and to spend time reading and, and praying together and sharing what God is saying to you. And 
holding each other accountable for becoming holier. Like, that's a part of the process in this thing we call discipleship, is to become holier, to become more and more like Jesus. And so there's a couple of ways, a couple of on-ramps for you to do that. You can pick up a journal today and begin reading and begin engaging Scripture, and there's guide there for you to do that. Um, there's going to be an opportunity to hear how people have been impacted by this in the past year or even the past week. I'm sure there are people that started this this week or last week that have already had an experience where God's Word intersected with their life in a unique way. So I want to encourage you to come on Wednesday night at 6.30. We'll meet in here. We'll also be available online. If you can't make it here, you can join us online. We'll live stream it. It'll be available afterwards. And it's an opportunity to come and share. You remember those old sharing services that used to have? Maybe you grew up in a church that, that did those on a regular basis where they'd pass the mic around or people would just stand up and testify. We'll do that, and we'll do it in the context of what's God been saying to you? How has this impacted your life? I've heard these stories, and they've excited me, and they've encouraged me, and they've said, this is something worth talking about and talking about and talking about. This is more and more people will do this because the stories I hear are wonderful stories, and I want you to hear those stories. And, and then there'll be opportunities um, for you to, to join groups. Uh, all you really need to do is let me know that you want to be in a group. We'll help try to match you up. Sometimes there's not a group that meets when you can meet, and so we've got to be patient and, and let this gra- gain some critical mass. But my hope and my dream is that there would be dozens of groups, and there'd be hundreds of people, and not just from Linwood, but throughout the community and throughout the world. Because let's face it, there are groups that can meet online now that never really would have thought of that before. Several of our groups already meet online, and there are people that join from other states and other communities. And so this is an opportunity that you have. So Wednesday night, come and hear and come and share. And then next Sunday, there's a Disciple Maker training. So if you feel like your next step, or maybe somebody in your group, their next step is to be trained to start making disciples, leading a banding together group, you can come and be chained. You can come and be trained and, and learn how to do that. We ask you to register for both of those just so we know how many people are coming. Um, but we're going to be talking about this. We're going to be focusing on this. This is our, our focus for the year is a focus on disciple making. Last year it was a focus on discipleship. We're changing from the focus on the noun, discipleship, to the verb, disciple making. We want to be a church that's making disciples who are making disciples who are making disciples. And so last week I shared a couple of definitions that'll be good for us to remember. Oh, there's also a, a link that you can go to, just tinyurl.com slash Linwood Discipleship. If you want to help taking the next step, you can fill that out and it comes to us and then we can be in touch with you with that. But if we're going to focus on disciple making, we've got to define some terms. We've got to clarify, make sure we're all on the same page. Because sometimes when I say discipleship, you think of a Sunday school class, and that might be a part of discipleship, but that's not necessarily discipleship. It might fit within discipleship, but it's not the whole thing. Or maybe you think of something else, or maybe you think you need to go to seminary to be focused on discipleship. Here's a good definition of discipleship. It's learning to live my life as Jesus would if he were me. And I shared that last week that wherever you are, whoever you are, whether you're working or retired, whether you're married or single, whether you have kids or you've sent them off into the world, or maybe you're in the thick of it and you're just starting a family, wherever you are, you can learn to live your life as Jesus would if he were you, in your vocation, in your relationships, in your setting. And so that's discipleship. It's learning to live my life as Jesus would if he were me. And then I added, and it wasn't in my notes last week, it just kind of popped into my head, that if Jesus were you, he would be making disciples. 
I guarantee you. You cannot read the Gospels and tell me that Jesus wouldn't be making disciples if he were you. That was his focus, announcing the kingdom, making disciples who would make disciples who would make disciples. And as Pastor, uh, as Pastor Zach, yes, I almost said Scott. I have no idea why. As Pastor Zach shared, he sent them out. He invested in them. He taught them how to make disciples who would make disciples. And then he turned them loose, and they turned the world upside down. Or you could say they turned it right side up. And you read the book of Acts, and you read the letters of Paul, and it was all about making disciples who would make disciples, and planting churches that would plant churches, that would make disciples who would make disciples, and plant churches who would plant churches. And that's the game plan. That's it. We're still in plan A, 2,000 years later, here in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and we exist as Linwood Wesleyan Church because they made disciples who made disciples, and they planted churches who planted churches. And what disciples will be made and what churches will be planted as a result of our focus on becoming disciples and making disciples. I found another definition. I was rather reminded of another definition. It popped up in my Facebook memories. I had shared this quote several years ago, and it returned this week, and it was another Dallas Willard quote where he says, a disciple is a person who has decided that the most important thing in their life is to learn how to do what Jesus said to do. And I love that definition. A disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ, is somebody who has decided that the most important thing in their life is to learn how to do what Jesus said to do. And I love the emphasis on doing, on action. Not just reading about it, not just talking about it, but doing it, making disciples who make disciples, taking a step of faith. And so we've defined disciple-making here as building a relationship with someone in order to help them learn how to trust and follow Jesus, in order to help them learn how to live their lives as Jesus would if he were them, in order to help them make the number one priority in their life, learning how to do what Jesus said to do. And that's where this series comes in, because my, my prayer for every single person at Linwood is that you would take your next step, that you would become a disciple if you're not currently, if you wouldn't say that's the number one thing in your life, is learning how to do what Jesus said to do, that you would take the steps to make that a reality in your life. And if you are there, that you would transition into becoming a disciple maker, that you would start building relationships with people in order to teach them to trust and follow Jesus. That's the game plan. Be one or start making one. And that's my hope and my prayer for everyone. And that's where Say What comes in. That's where this whole year we're going to be preaching right out of this reading plan. So if you join us in the Banding Together journals and you start reading a chapter or two a day in that reading plan and you engage in Scripture, every time you walk through those doors on Sunday morning, you're going to hear a message about something that you either just read in the past week or that you're going to read in the next week. And as I've thought about that, I think I'm going to focus more on what's coming than what we've just had. But I've got to give myself a window. And I'm finding that the hardest thing now in my week is deciding what to preach on. Because suddenly I've got a year behind me and I've got day to day in front of me and God is speaking. And I can't decide, do I share this or do I share that or what fits with the theme or what do we need to hear right now? And so as you pray for me, I'll just kind of borrow one of Paul's prayers. Pray that I would speak boldly what God wants and what you need to hear as his people. And let's be in this together and let's go on this journey together. So last week we talked about the miracles and the message of Jesus in the books of Luke and Acts. That's where we're going to be for these first six weeks of the year. And we talked about this idea that disciples of Jesus live under the authority of Jesus. 
And we looked at the, t- the story of the centurion in Luke chapter 7 and how Jesus said, I have not seen such faith in all of Israel. Because he said, you know what, Jesus, you don't even need to come in my house. I'm not sure I'm worthy of that. Because I'm, I'm one under authority, and I have people under authority. And when I say go, they go. And when I say do, they do. And when I say speak, they speak. So all you need to do, Jesus, is say the word, and my servant will be healed. You don't even need to come through my doors. And it's a powerful lesson that, that if we're disciples of Jesus Christ, if we're followers learning to live our lives as he would, if he were us, then we better be doing what he says to do, and we better be going where he says to go, and we better be saying what he says to say, and we're not going to know what he's saying if we're not in his word. And so we need to live under the authority of Jesus. That was last week. This week, we're going to talk about lost and found from Luke chapter 15, one of my favorite chapters in all of Scripture. And we're going to talk about, about lost and found and, and where the people that are lost fit in God's priority and where the people that are found are fitting in God's priority and what He expects of the people that are found as we do this. And so I want to start with Luke 15, 1 through 7. I'd love to read the whole chapter to you, but I'm going to start here because this really sets the stage. And then we'll refer to some of the other things that he says in that chapter. And I would encourage you when you go home or when you log off of this service to get Luke 15 out and read it all the way through, maybe even in several translations, and ask God to speak to you through that. Or maybe you wait till Friday when it's in the journal plan and you're going to read Luke 15 then. You could do that. Um, But here's here's what Luke writes in chapter 15. And if you're in the sanctuary here, you can pick up one of our pew Bibles and you can open it to page 1623. If you're joining online, you can open a Bible or you can read these words on the screen. Now, the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him, to hear Jesus. And these were the bottom rung of society. But the Pharisees, who were the top rung, and the teachers of the law, they muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Say, what? Are you sure? Like, really? There's more rejoicing over one sinner who repents than over 99 good people who never wandered off. Are you sure? Say, what? Doesn't that feel like one of those cell phone plans, you know, like, thank you very much for being a loyal customer for nine years. We have absolutely nothing for you but a rate increase. But if you're not one of our customers, we'll give you a phone and we'll give you a car to drive around in and talk on on the phone with people. Doesn't it feel a little imbalanced? Like, why why is it the one that wanders off over the 99 that never wandered off? And is that even good stewardship, Jesus, to leave those 99 behind and go after the one? I mean... Maybe that's just an acceptable loss. No, it's not. And so this story really fits our theme. Not just in the say what, but in the say what. There is something that we need to say, and there is a responsibility that we need to take from this story. In fact, this story is so important that Jesus tells it three times. One after the other after the other. He starts with one lost sheep. And then he talks about one lost coin. 
And then he talks about one lost son. One after the other after the other. One out of a hundred sheep, one wanders off. One coin out of ten. And then one son out of two. And there's a rescue, and there's a search, and there's a return. And in each case, there's rejoicing. And in each case, he makes the point, there's more rejoicing over the one that comes back than there is over the multitude that never left. And you might not think that's fair. But our bottom line today is is what I hope you get. If you checked your Facebook and you've been scrolling, come back. If you got distracted online and you're not listening, come back. If you think it's unfair that he pays more attention to the one that comes back than the 99 that never left, you need to understand a really important truth. If you want in on the rejoicing, join the rescue party. There's nothing that says that you can't join the rescue party and bring people back and join the rejoicing. In fact, that's what's commanded of us, to go and find people. That's our mission here at Linwood, to reach people for Christ, give them a place to belong, and help them grow in their faith. And Jesus models this for us. He is the good shepherd who leaves the 99. He says, you know what? They're going to be okay. They've got each other. I'm going to go find the one. In fact, he was not content to stay up in heaven. He joined a cosmic rescue mission in this world to bring us back to him, to bring those who were lost back to him. In fact, he's the perfect older brother in the story of the two sons that doesn't just sit at home with a sense of responsibility, but actually leaves, leaves heaven behind to go on a rescue mission for the younger brother. That's me. That's you. And that's powerful. In fact, that was an an image or an insight that I had never really considered before January 15th of last year. And so I want to share my journal with you just in case you missed it last week. And if you missed last week, I would really encourage you to watch that message. But but here's this process. We talk about the journal. There's a reading plan, and then you do a process called SOAP. It's S-O-A-P, Scripture, Observation, Application, Prayer. And let me just model this, how this works. So we were supposed to read Luke 15 and Psalm 5 last year on, on January 15th. It'll be Luke 15 and Psalm 5 this year on January 15th. And so I focused on verse 7 of Luke 15 and verse 7 of Psalm 5. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. That's the New Living Translation. Here's what really caught my attention from Psalm 5, verse 7. Sometimes when you have a shorter New Testament chapter, they'll throw in a psalm just to round it out. And here's what Psalm 5, 7 says. Because of your unfailing love, I can enter your house. Isn't that cool? The connection between the story of the lost sheep, lost coin, lost son in Luke 15 and this insight that David had that because of your unfailing love, I can enter your house. And it's spooky how often there's connections like that from these randomly paired Old Testament and New Testament passages written hundreds of years apart. It's almost like the same guy wrote it all because he did. So that's the scripture. I write that scripture out, and then here's the observation. I love the connection between these two verses and chapters of scripture. God's unfailing love not only welcomes us back, but rejoices in our return. The father welcoming back his lost son is such a beautiful picture of unconditional love, illustrating this reality perfectly. I'm also thankful that Jesus is my older brother, 
from the lost son story. Not resentful that I've returned, but actually going on a rescue mission to find me and bring me back. And those are observations. I had never had that observation before in my life until I was writing it down. I don't know if I would have gotten it just from reading it, but when I took the time to stop thinking so at the speed of thought and start writing at the speed of writing, God was able to speak and say, you know what, Jesus is your older brother. And he didn't just stay there. And he wasn't resentful that you came back. He was on a rescue mission to bring you back. And so here's the application. I'm not sure I've ever fully considered that last idea before. I know I was the older brother more than once early in my faith. But now I want to be like Jesus, going out and finding lost brothers and bringing them back to God's perfect love. Here's the prayer. Lord Jesus, please help me in this. Spirit, please show me who needs you and compel me to bring them back to you. Thank you for your unfailing love that always welcomes us back home. And so that's kind of, that's the game plan. Like, spend time in God's word. Let it speak to you. Write down what he says. And here's, I think, our application for today. Here's our application as individuals, and here's our application as a church. We have to prioritize the lost over the regulars. I think that's what Jesus was saying, and I think it was such an important message that he said it three times, back to back to back. We have to prioritize the lost, not just the regulars. And that some of the most kingdom-focused, kingdom-building churches are the ones that prioritize the lost over the regulars. And, And in a sense, the church stops being about you when you get saved and become a disciple and a follower of Jesus Christ. In fact, our mission statement, and this was important to us as a board and as a, a church body and leading this church, was, was that it's not like 99% on the lost and 1% on the people that are here. It's not imbalanced. But when push comes to shove and we got to make a decision, we're going to prioritize the lost. We're going to reach people for Christ, reach people that aren't here, reach people that are out there. We're going to reach them for Christ. And then we're going to give them a place to belong. And we're going to help them grow in their faith. That's our mission. And we talked about it at the time, you know, we're like, there's going to be some people that don't really like that. And there might even be some people that really don't like that. They want the church to be about them. They want the church to be a dispenser of religious goods and services that they can come and consume and then go home. And that can't be our mission because that wasn't Jesus' mission. In fact, he says it as clearly as he can possibly state it in Luke 19. I have come to seek and save the lost. That's his mission, to seek and save the lost. And if that's not our mission, then we're missing it. It doesn't matter what we get right if we get that wrong. So we got to make sure that we're a church that prioritizes the people that aren't here. In fact, a friend of mine posted this. It's on the wall in his church. He says, a disciple is someone who has moved from being the recipient of the church's mission to being responsible for the church's mission. A disciple is someone who has moved from being the recipient of the church's mission to being responsible for the church's mission. And I remember when that shift took place for me. I had gotten really good at being a recipient of the church's mission. And I really liked my church. And we had started to take some classes, and we had started to give, and we had started to serve more and more, but we were still on the receiving end for the most part. And if you'd asked me if I was responsible for the mission of Highland Park Community Church, I would have told you, no, that's the pastor's job, or no, that's the board of servant leader's job. It was kind of like our LBA. And then I joined a Bible study. It was a men's group, and I've talked about it before. We did the Search for Significance, a really, really powerful study about removing God's 
removing the world's lies and replacing them with God's truths. And then I got invited to be a part of a Bible study that the senior pastor was leading with a group of men, and several of them were on staff, and some of them were leaders, and some of them were just people like me that he invited into that process. And then in 2006, one of those pastors did a really crazy thing. They said, Pastor Mark, or they said, Mark, that it wasn't Pastor Mark at the time. They said, Mark, would you like to teach a Sunday school class? And I said, you mean take a Sunday school class? Yeah, I'll take a Sunday school class. Who's teaching it? He said, no, I want you to teach it. And I said, oh, I'm not ready. And he said, no, actually, I think you are. I said, I'd really like to take it first. And he said, no, you're going to learn far more from teaching this class than you will ever learn from taking another class. I really want you to teach it. I said, I, who's going to come? Like, really? He said, you'll be surprised. And I was. Because I went ahead and did it. He was a hard person to say no to, and he wouldn't leave me alone. And the people that came to that class, I was 25 years old. The people that came to that class were all in their 50s, 60s. And there were more each time we taught it. And they kept inviting their friends. And I was like, why are you listening to me? But they really weren't. They were listening to God's Spirit speaking through the the Word. And, And I was just a facilitator. And that's what happens when you join start leading a banding together group. You become a facilitator of what God wants to do in somebody else's life. It's really not about me. It was, it's not about you. And so this might not feel so warm and fuzzy if you feel like you're more of a recipient than a re- someone who's responsible for the church's mission. And so I want to pause right here and say a couple things. First, don't mistake the enemy's voice of condemnation, which pushes you farther from God for the Spirit's voice of conviction, which draws you into God. And if the Spirit is speaking to you and the Spirit is giving you a little unrest with this, I want you to engage that. I want you to pray about that. I want you to take a step of faith with that. But don't let the enemy push you away from God. That's not our heart. That's not, we want everybody to take their next step, whatever that might be. And I also also want to make it crystal clear, there are seasons of life where you need more care, where you need to be a recipient And we all go through those seasons of life. And yet God has set this up in such a beautiful way that those seasons prepare us and equip us to be caregivers to others when they go through the same season. Did you realize that? It's right there in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. This is a powerful, powerful passage of Scripture. Paul says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles. And he does that through people. He does that through churches. He does that through a family of families. He comforts us in all our troubles so that, here's the purpose statement, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. We're supposed to be rivers that comfort flows through us. And when we go through a season where we need to receive more, He gives us more. And then as we depart from that season, as we become closer to him, as we learn to live our lives in the midst of that tragedy, in the midst of that difficulty, in the midst of that circumstance, as we learn to live our lives as he would if he were us, then he puts people in front of us, if we will just have eyes to see, that need the very comfort we have just received. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows into the lives of others. We're to be rivers of comfort and grace, not reservoirs. Don't build a dam to get more and more and more. Build a channel. 
to get that into the lives of other people, to take the comfort that you've received and to share it with somebody else. You see in our story here, the younger brother is now uniquely equipped and qualified to go out and find other younger brothers and bring them back. If that's part of your testimony, this is encouraging to you. If you've come through addiction, you're now uniquely qualified to go and find those who are in addiction and bring them out. If you are grieving, you're experiencing tremendous loss and you've gone through that and you've learned how to deal with that and you've come back and you've been discipled through that, now you're uniquely qualified to help somebody else. That's the way God set this whole thing up, that when we receive comfort, we become qualified to give that comfort to somebody else. We've got a beautiful example of that here at Linwood. We call it our grief share ministry, and it's, it's powerful ministry because Pastor Sandy leads that ministry. She went through a horrifying loss of a, of a child, and she came through that, and she came back to God through that, and now she leads a ministry that helps people who are grieving, whether it's the loss of a spouse or the loss of a child or, or some other loss. It's 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 5, in action. And so I wonder, I'm supposed to tell you, grief share starts on the 25th. If you are somebody who's grieving or you know somebody who's grieving, this is a powerful ministry. It's changing lives right here in our midst. And they don't even have to live in Sioux Falls because they meet online. So if you know somebody in Phoenix or New York or wherever it's grieving, you can share this with them and, and they can be a part of it. And we have people who have come through that who have done it two or three times and are now becoming leaders in that ministry to walk alongside others. It's a beautiful thing. And so I wonder, what are you uniquely qualified to do? Where have you received the greatest comfort from God through His Holy Spirit, through the church? And what are you uniquely qualified to do when the time is right, when the season comes to an end? I asked last week about New Year's resolution, and here we are, day 10. How are you guys doing? Anybody 10 for 10? I learned a really good trick a few years ago. I don't make daily resolutions anymore. I make weekly resolutions. And so my goal was five times a week, minimum, not maximum, minimum, in my banding together journal, in my prayer journal, and a little prayer thing I do through my house. Five times a week. And I'm on it. I've skipped a few days, but I, I built a little margin in there. I would encourage you to do the same. And if you have already failed, if you set a daily goal and you missed a day, it's not over. It's just time to start again. That's the beauty of this thing. You could miss a week and you can start. God's Word is always speaking. His Spirit is always speaking. He's always longing to spend time with you in His Word, spend time with you in prayer, to spend time engaging His Word together. So wherever you are, I want to encourage you to start again or to take your next step. Everybody's got a next step. I joked a little bit last week. I was like, maybe you're already doing everything that we've talked about. Maybe your next step is to start a second group. <laughs> that could be. Wherever you are, God has a next step for you to take. And so I want to encourage you, each of you and each of us, to be a people who take our next step, who don't dig our heels in and say, no, I don't want to. I'm good right here. Because we're not good. Look around. We're not, like, the world needs more people of the world. The world needs more disciples. The world needs more disciple makers. And we can start. So will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you.
We thank you for your word, and we thank you for this time to be in worship together. We thank you for your promises that are great and precious. And we thank you for your willingness to speak to us. And we pray that it would be matched by our willingness to listen and to apply your word to our lives. Lord, I think about younger brothers, and I think about lost sons and lost sheep, and, and this theme, it seems like it would be irresponsible not to invite those who are listening, whether they're listening in the room right now, whether they're listening online right now, whether they're listening at some point in the future, listening to a recording, that if you recognize that you're lost, that you've ventured away and ventured off the path that God had for you, that you're not in fellowship with Him, then I pray that today would be a day where you, you turn back as the younger son, that you would come to your senses, that you would remember that because of God's unfailing love, you can come home. He wants you to come home. Maybe you pray a prayer of something like this, Lord Jesus, thank you for coming to rescue me. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. I don't understand it all, but I know this, that I'm apart from you and I don't want to be apart from you. So I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I ask you to welcome me into your family. I ask you to show me what it means to follow you. And I surrender my life to your care and control. Help me. In Jesus' name, amen. Maybe you've been a believer for some time, and yet you feel the Spirit whispering to you and nudging you in a certain direction. I pray that you would take that step, whatever it is that you would begin a new adventure with your gracious Heavenly Father. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.